Hello and welcome to Detail Drummer, to a new episode. Today with us, we have Michael Shack. He's a drummer, he's a DJ drummer, he owns a, uh, a label, he's a teacher, he's an educator, he works for Drummer, drummer Online. Is that right? Yeah, I'm a coach with Vermeo. Exactly. So uh, it's I'm, I'm not like an employee, but I'm actually one of the 10 international drum coaches. So I stream on Vermeo once a week. Uh, with a special coach session where I give insight into my drumming secrets. And I want to share this with all uh, paying members of Drumeo. But um, I also, uh, of course, am known as a V-drummer because mm -hmm. I do a lot of uh, uh, clinics and also drum festivals uh, for Roland uh for the v-drums but i'm also a consultant and sound designer for the v-drums so Amazing. i also work here from my studio uh for roland japan but i'm an independent musician so uh i can do what i want <laughs> that's the dream <laughs> yeah that's the dream. not now because i would love to be on stage more but we have to i wait. bet i bet yeah. you since I like uh, got to know your profile and got to know your your career and what you do, I was really amazed about like the way you kind of stretched some some concepts. You know, like you, you went to like the the electronical drums and you took it for like a DJ kind of approach. Yeah, uh, and all that bringing drum and being a drummer still. So I think it's really interesting in the sense that. Um, as drummers, sometimes we we tend to think, oh, I play the beats or I play the rhythm or I'm like the metronome of the band. I give dynamics. But when you are able to think forward and think more about what you can do with your with your instrument, like, for example, in other in other way. But you had Max Roach that was a, a really melodic drummer at the time. And he changed the approach that the other ones had. And I think like what you do and what other drummers like those guys that do creative videos with uh, household things, you know, uh, people that creativity are really, uh, they are really strong and they put the the bar, you know, up. And you when when I see that and uh, I have like a video on my on my Instagram that it was based on your you know, what I saw from you, you know, so you inspired me to do something new. And okay. that's, that's, I think that's what, what we should look for. And you know, in people that, that uh, inspired us. So did you have someone that inspired you to do that kind of thing? Or it was something during your career that you started to explore more the V side of drums? I was always interested in uh, P-Funk music when I was very young. So uh, when the drum computer came, I immediately saw this more than an opportunity than a, an enemy. Because uh, at that time when the drum computer came and it, and it went into the studio and many people uh, started making hit songs with the drum computer, many drummers saw this as the enemy. But yeah. I saw it as a friend. So I was... Even before I became a professional musician, I already purchased myself a drum computer to practice mm -hmm. along, to play along with it. And I especially love the drum computer where you could also program a little bass line. 
So I was more interested in the baseline part of the drum computer or the music computer than in the actual drum computer itself. So I started programming my own bass lines. I play a little bass on top. So mm-hmm. this is how I started playing the human beat on top of the machine. Right. Uh, even before I became a professional musician, at that time I was I was I was still at uh, high school. I was I was studying economics, and then when I went to university to study more, because I don't have a, a degree in music, I continued to experiment, and I bought my first sampler uh, at that time. Uh, in the beginning of uh, yeah, I think it was eighty nine or 90, 1990. So after the drum computer, making a loop with the sampler became something for me to play on top of. Yeah, and that could be a guitar loop. But at that at that time, the samplers they didn't sound as good as now. So it was really lo-fi kind of hip hop kind of feel. So from the start. Just before I became a professional musician, I was already actually being a DJ drummer. Right. The only thing I couldn't do is live start and stop all the samples because at that time the technology yeah. wasn't there. Controlling so all the So I needed different... to do it with the keyboard, not with a pad. Right. So only when when uh, um, when later when the octopad came and I could trigger the uh, octopad into the sampler and actually assign some samples on the on the different pads mm-hmm. then i became a dj drummer with really playing those samples live you know is and it wasn't drum samples the drum samples i was playing live but the the guitar hits and the horns and the bass line i was doing from the sampler all the, pulling all the backing tracks exactly yeah. exactly so i actually already from quite early started doing my own backing tracks but not just stop, uh, start and stop, but really different parts. Oh. And then when the SPDS came in 2000, uh, I think that was 2002, I became one of the key demonstrators of the SPDS for Roland, International Drum Festivals and so on. And of course, with the SPDS, I started really producing specific content, which I could show to demonstrate the SPDS. And in the SPDS, I never triggered drum sounds. It was always vocals on top of bass lines and so on, so on, so on. So for me, this became a second nature. And of course, that's already nearly 20 years ago. True. So so it was very natural for me to uh, elaborate and take that concept, which I was already doing for many years at drum festivals and during demonstration contests, to take it to the live festival stage. Amazing. Do you so think- it, was, it didn't happen one day f- from one day to another. It was a very long process already doing it in public. But then I said, I need to do this specifically on the electronic music festivals because I was already touring with Netsky and so on. And then it, I took it completely solo. So you will never see me together with the DJ on stage. You will always see me doing this by myself, being the DJ with the samples, and then playing the drums at the same time. That's amazing. I think it's really cool. Like when I saw your shows and the way you play by yourself on the stage and everyone is looking to the drummer. You know what I mean? Like, 
Well, that's that's it's something also one different. Of the you know, it's something different. It's something that yeah, you don't but see. it's also one of the reasons be, uh, why I I started doing my DJ drummer shows playing stand up, because mm -hmm. in the people in the audience mind, when I play an electronic music festival in it between like a clinic. DJs, I cannot just be sitting down as a yeah. drummer. When I stand up, there's much more connection with the audience because I can jump with them. You know, when you go to an electronic music festival, you will never see a DJ sitting down. Yeah, true. You'll always you see him presence. standing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why I, I started doing this uh, standing up as well. You you were saying that um, obviously, like since since SPDS came to the picture and uh, and it's a massive uh, tool for your work now. Would you say like that was 20 years or yeah, 20 years ago? So yeah. 20 from 20 years now you we have so much more gear and so yeah. much more evolution and in, in technology in technology would you say like it can get to a point that you're trying to use so much uh, gear or technology that they can no. block your work or or you no. you always find a way to adapt Actually my concept stayed the same because right. technology does not all, only mean that there's more gear For me, the most important part is the gear becoming faster. Right. So I'm now using the SPDSX, but mm -hmm. instead of having all the samples in the SPDSX, I'm actually triggering everything in an Ableton session from the SPDSX. So the communication between the sample pad and the laptop became very fast as well. Yeah. On top of this, the laptop became much faster. So now I can produce all my ideas in the laptop, take them on stage and play everything live without me having to record everything. No, I can just do it live. On top of this, in the laptop, because now the SPDSX and the laptop are so fast communicators, I can even trigger live video. Sure. So I can not only play my beats and launch all the DJ stuff, you know, like the samples, But on top of that, together with all the samples, I actually trigger live. I also trigger video. It, so it and, becomes, and now and it's a whole new world. Now it's visual yeah, as well. On every festival, now there's an LED video. Yeah. And you can take advantage of it. And the biggest advantage that I have against the DJ is that I can decide on the spot how long... I should play this kind of beat or how long I should play this kind of do you, beat. Do you improvise or do you, or do you have like a set that you always go through? No, no, no. I have, I have a set which changes every week, depending on the audience, depending on the festival. And I have one big, big, big session, but I can just skip things. I can put other things inside. And I can also determine the length. Like for instance, if is everybody's if everybody's really into a, a specific part and they're still raving, I can make it longer automatically yeah. because I can trigger it again with some extra effects. That's one of the most valuable skills in the DJ. Know how to read the crowd. So if you see exactly. like they're enjoying that, you skip to a, something that it's similar or in the same. Yeah, exactly. But the DJ cannot skip the intro. Yeah. So when he starts the intro, he has to wait for the drop. I can just go immediately to drop. the drop. Yeah. If I see people walking to the bar, I will change something. So they keep watching yeah. the stage. Yeah. That is a little bit of the challenge. That's so amazing. There's, there's more interaction. 
Yeah, and and you have to to be aware of so much things at the same time because you have to, of your drum playing, of your samples, of your videos, no. of lights, of the crowd. I, no, <laughs> no, I don't care about the lights and the sound because I have a lighting engineer and a sound right. engineer, or I'm good friends with the local engineers, and I just do them. Do whatever you want, but make it look good. Yeah. Okay. On top of this, I'm not moving far away from my drum setup. So they can really do something with the background lights and everything. But I'm mostly, what I mostly had to learn is look at the audience. Really look at the, of course, I have, I need to watch my instrument that I triggered the, the, the correct sample. But once that's done, and that's, that's a matter of practice, I have to look at the audience and see how the people react. Because somebody who doesn't look at the audience will not be able to interact with what's happening. Sometimes I see, for instance, people holding their phones up with the title of a song because they know it from a mashup. <laughs> and then, you know, they, they have yeah. this light, light thing going on. And then they say, play the Aoki mashup. And then I say, okay. It's coming. Oh, that's for, cool. For instance, yeah. So I can, I can really. Um, that's what I, I had to learn. Do the, do the, the, the technical. See if ev everything works. Play. But most of all, interact with the audience. Watch the audience. Do you feel like, because uh, most of your show, uh, solo shows, they are around. Um, technology and and softwares and and computers and sometimes you can have problems with that like they can crash or do you feel like that that as a as a risk or that you're you you every time you no. perform you you're going to take it or you i you minimize prepare? the risk i minimize yeah. it first of all my show is not about technology it's about the music i playing i can play with technology but yeah. i always have two laptops with me Okay. So I always will have a laptop as backup with the identical session. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit more expensive, but it, it brings peace of mind. Yeah, that's what I meant. And, like when you're yeah. in stage, you, you, you rest. Yeah. yeah. So once there was a stupid guy who threw beer on the stage and it landed on my laptop. So of course there was a problem. And then immediately I changed to the other laptop and I could continue the show. So, so uh, how do yeah. you deal with that? How do you like you go from you doing your show by because when you're in a band or but when you're by yourself, you have to deal with the situation by yourself and 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 to have someone well, like I doing that to, to the people, I say something <laughs> to the people, or I have uh, I always have something that I and I just tell them what happened. Mm -hmm. And for instance, well, at that occasion, I told them, get this guy with the beer. Get him to the stage. So they brought him to the stage, and I made him. I I made him dance on stage. And of course, he had to pay. He had to pay some insurance. But this way, it became a public. But your thing. punishment was to to make him dance. I just said, "You fucking asshole, come to the stage!" And everybody, go to the stage, you asshole. So, and I told him, "Well, now you have to sing something for the people while I'll change the laptop." There you go. And he and he, he was so drunk, so he did something really stupid, and people just laughed at him. And then the show con could continue. But you know what? All the stress with technology on stage is mostly, mostly, mostly in 80% of the cases, lack of preparation. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Making things too difficult, not taking care of your cables. Also, you know, like I see sometimes uh, like these live electronic music setups where people are bringing synthesizers and all the cables. And then there's one cable uh, because of the stress. There's one cable which doesn't work and suddenly they're panicking, you know, make it simple. So when you do the live show that you have control and you can immediately see where the problem is, that is very important. Label your cables, buy good cables, because sometimes you see people coming to festivals with really cheesy cables that are totally worn out. You know, you have to minimize the risk. True. Would you, oh, I wanted to ask you more about now, uh, about your career as an educator. Uh, when you, when you, teach this kind of stuff or do you do you, when you are approached for for some students do they come to you with they want to learn concepts and ideas and planning or they come to you for technical and or both you know what both. i mean they they want you to explain the way you see drums and the way you you work with the um, hybrid thing or, yeah, or both but mostly it's playing mostly, mostly it's playing it's, How, how, for instance, in my case, how can you play so physically and at the same time not hurt yourself, for instance? Right. Or uh, what kind of technique exercises do you practice to be able to do what you do? What do I need to have to play a fast drum and bass beat? So mm -hmm. there's a lot of questions that come in uh, throughout the years because I was a, uh, I teach privately for 10 years before. So All these questions are still the same. The mm -hmm. only questions that are different are mostly the questions about gear. How do I use yeah. Ableton with my drum set or whatever? But during my coach sessions with, uh, with Dromeo, uh, there's a chat. And in the last 10, 15 minutes of each uh, les lesson, people can ask questions. And in my Dromeo streams, I always have my full setup ready. So if there's a specific question, for instance, how do I have to connect my sampling pad to my laptop? I can immediately show them. Mm -hmm. But most of the things uh, that I do for the sessions, I have a topic which I have in my mind and we also announce it. I use the topic for making my lesson sheets. And then of course you trigger questions. Because people are, ah, is this the exercise you do in the morning when you want to warm up? And I say, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you always have to start with the topic and then automatically you will get the, the right questions. True. Talking about that, <laughs> you mentioned the the way, the physical way you play being, being sometimes uh, can bring you injuries. And uh, I think okay. that's... Uh, Yeah, yeah, not you. I uh, bring you as a pe people pe think. People yeah. think bring things. bring injuries. I have I have some like problems with with shoulders and stuff like that. So I'm really interested in that part, and I don't think it's addressed that much uh, for for you know the usually in the normal. Usually, people care more about gear or techniques or you know the playing and the show and the actual part. But gets to a, to a point that you need to start to care about your health and the way you play and to 
economize and minimize damage in your body if you want to yeah. do this for years. So yeah. how do you see that and what you do for yourself and what could you share that could help with that? Well, number one, and this is very important, don't practice too much. <laughs> That's a statement. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's I completely things. agree, but that's a statement. <laughs> there's some people who think that you have to have pain to be able to practice uh, efficiently. Mm -hmm. When you have pain, when you actually feel something painful while you practice, you need to stop. Sure. Many people think, ah, I'm having pain. This is a good exercise. Mm -mm. No, you need to stop. Number two, drumming is a very physical craft. So you also need to do other stuff to compensate. For instance, when we play drums, we usually sit down. Now, very important, when you sit down, there's a couple of your muscles, like the back muscles, especially when you play drums, they suffer. So you need also to do stretching exercises to be able to, you know, stretch your it's like an elastic you know it's like a rubber thing when you stretch your muscles you still have connection but when you stretch them too much or you overuse them the muscle breaks tough yeah. and that is what you need to avoid so st some stretching um of course um in my case uh also not drinking alcohol helps or not smoking, because if you're gonna be a professional musician or a semi-professional musician, it's not only, only about food, but it's also about what your body, you know, what your body is addicted to. And there's, I never saw, let's say, um, healthy drummers that ran into very difficult muscle problems. Most of them, most of the problems related to years and years of playing are related to getting older, not doing sports, mm -hmm. and not eating and drinking healthy. It's not only the drums that are important when you start, you know, sure. playing. Yeah. It's also what you do in between your playing. And uh, especially with, with getting older myself, I'm very lucky to be in good health, but also you need to work a little bit for this. Uh, yeah. So um, one very important rule is don't practice too much. Take a distance so your body also can can recuperate. There's mm -hmm. people that you know. There's people that like always are doing the Muller technique from the morning till the evening. Don't do it. It will not make your Muller technique better. You know, just sit behind your drums, play your drums, play grooves, think about sound, and automatically your body will search for the right technique to make the best sound. Mm -hmm. That is much more important than concentrating on this particular technique for hours and hours every day. And then in the end, you have muscle problems, you have tendinitis, corporal tunnel, because you're doing too much. True. Completely agree with that. <laughs> um, yeah. Would you say you had some role model 
at at some point when you when you're growing up as it can be like it doesn't necessarily needs to be some like famous drummer or someone like that it can be like someone that actually influenced you to be what you are now it's not one person it's actually more like music in general like for instance uh p-funk you know george clinton parliament funkadelic Uh, Bootsy Collins on the bass, uh, level 42, Mark King. He's a very good drummer. He became a bass player after being a good drummer. Um, it's more these kind of stories that inspired me a lot. Also sound, like for instance, electronic music, like when the first time I heard Dead Mouse, and that <laughs> yeah. was in the beginning of the 90s, I was like, what the fuck? This is kick bass yeah this is what i want to do with my electronic drums so it's more this kind of thing um, um you know it can be producers it can be uh um it can be a band like for instance foo fighters or muse they inspire me as well mm -hmm. when i go to a muse concert i see three people with technology involved incredible concert good players that's the kind of things that inspire me a lot and then when i get home i just want to wow need to do this and arpeggio and a little bit of so it's it's more like different influences and also a very important influence for me is just visiting uh big cities you know really? the urban kind of thing um for the music i play i like street beats I like breakdancing. I like seeing people just uh, like, for instance, in the subway in New York or in Rome, just playing with a with a with a very small drum set and trying to trying to do something. Maybe um, so. I think the hip hop culture is one of my biggest influences. Would you say like uh, traveling and getting to know new cultures? Uh influences you're playing a lot not the cultures by themselves it's more the places mm -hmm. I'm not, so the vibe I'm not going, the vibe that is around that place yeah, i'm not going to india to to learn about yoga no i'm mm -hmm. learning i'm going to india i'm not going to india to learn about tabla drums no when i visit india i see the energy of new delhi for instance or, or mumbai i see the energy i see the contrast between very rich people and very poor people And in the middle, there's a lot of people that, for instance, play some kind of music without thinking about it, you mm -hmm. know, just playing their grooves. That's what inspires me. But you, I always find this kind of inspiration in cities, never on the countryside. Right. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Like, because yeah. you know, there's, for example, if you... If you talk about like some country songwriter, maybe you would say like exactly the opposite. You know, if I go I to know. the city, I can't think think because it's too much. And it's cool. I it's know. cool. Like how different moods and different ambience can change, yeah. you know, the way you produce or not. You know, I know. I know there are a lot of drummers who have idols. Mm -hmm. And of course, I have a lot of idols. You know, th there might be a 13 year old guy like Dominic McNabb. Uh, mm -hmm. from uh, from South Africa, who is 13 years old. He's taking over Instagram and he inspires me <laughs> because I see myself as a crazy young guy wanting to play fast. I see myself in him, but he plays his ass off. But on the other hand, there's also a lot of drummers who only are, uh, you know, the, the, the holy saint of Jeff Porcaro or for the instance, elitists. you know, um, but... <laughs> 
the thing is, that is already done. Yeah, that is already history. And there's a lot of drummers who tell me, you should play exactly the same beat. But then I say, no, I want to do my own interpretation because this beat, it's already history. It's already yeah. recorded. I don't have to play like on the record because it's not my record. So this kind of tension between what is already being done and then making it, making it my own, that is actually my goal. That's amazing. And then th that's exactly the yeah, the kind of answer that I wanted, you know, yeah. like something that is uh, natural, you know, because uh, when you focus on someone or in or doing something too much, you miss a lot. You miss you miss the rest. Yeah, you know, it's tunnel you, view. You need it's to, to view. open up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, that's exactly. exactly. I think I think now more than ever, uh, drummers and musicians in general. It's really important to know a little bit of everything, you know, know a little bit of marketing, know a little bit of uh, video, know, know a little bit of production, know a little bit of composing, even if you're drummer, you know, because there's a, that idea that drummers don't compose and that's so wrong. Like you see so many drummers composing now and good, good stuff, you know, that's a, an idea. Actually, actually, to be very honest, that is not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, because, um, for instance, if you look at the history of pop music, there's a lot of drummers who actually became very good sound engineers. Maybe they were not very professional drummers, but there's also a couple of drummers who became incredible music producers, mm -hmm. like Narada Michael Walden, for instance. He made so many number one hits, but he was just a drummer. But in the LA session, he started producing albums and he came up with a new sound and a new way of producing and so on. So, so uh, for instance, a good example, Phil Collins. He's not just a drummer. No. He's a singer, a producer, a songwriter. So the fact that, that many people think now drummers need to do more things, well, actually, there were already a lot of drummers who were already doing this in the 70s and, and, and 80s. So um, it's not something new, but now with social media, maybe it's more visible. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree that definitely you see more stuff online now, yeah. and that, that can have double effect on you because... Uh, at least I think that when you're saying, for example, that kid with 13 years old that you see and inspires you, that can be something. But for like for you, it's good because it inspires you. But for yeah. someone else, it looks at that kid and he thinks, oh, I'm 25 and this kid is 13 and I don't play as like half yeah. of it, you know, you and, know they, like, and that put them lower, you know. That's negative, negative reaction. And, and yeah. a lot of older drummers, for instance, say, When they, when they see younger players uh, play on, on socials, they say, ah, it's too much. It's too busy. It's not musical enough. Well, fuck you. Because when you start playing as a young guy, you want to be busy. You sure. want to, to go fast. Let, let them go fast. Because this is the age where you can actually build your tension and build your muscles. You know, if, if this 13-year-old guy needs to play uh, Rosanna all the time, well, then by the age of 25, he's only going to play Rosanna 100% perfectly, but no soul, no sex, 
no, <laughs> you know, no, no, no life. No, yeah, life, okay, but yeah, very one-sided. Yeah, you need to be crazy when you're young. Completely you agree. You need to play too loud. You need to crash a symbol. You need to make mistakes. And the only way to learn from mistakes is to make them. So there sure. you go. Amazing. Michael, I think I have enough. Good. Thank you very much for this interview. If you want to know more about Michael, go to his social media, to his website and get to know all about him. I thank think you, you should. Hey, uh, thank also, you for the invitation. No problem. It's my pleasure. Uh, also, if you like this type of interviews and you want to see more of this kind of stuff, subscribe the channel and give it a like. I hope to see you next time.